Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar! And it tumbles through! It is good! Time has expired! Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. The hay is in the barn! And it's mayhem on the field! (laughs) The hay is in the barn? barn? (laughs) The hay is in the barn. Is that a, uh, that's the Baltimore Ravens, right? The Ravens eat hay. Hay is <laughs> in the barn. What the heck does that I mean? Don't that know. must be an old-timey farming expression, which you're usually up on. Well, yeah, but what's it got to do with the, you won the game? Well, well. Um, uh, how long was the field goal? Longest field goal? 66 of- yards. 66? Yeah. yeah that's that's what the feller shouted at me anyway. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a long one. Hit the crossbar and tumbled over, don't you know? Mm. And uh, one other football note: Tom Brady lost yesterday. Threw for he's four, a bum. Threw for four hundred yards with no interceptions and lost for the first time in his career. Which is it's hard to do anything for the first time in your career when you're him, but that's what happened. Wow, interesting. The murder rate continues to be awful. More on that later. Young people, or particularly women, are deciding. Wait a second, this whole sexual freedom thing. I think we got tricked. Um, mm. Stay tuned for that. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, Judy and I went out to lunch with a little D yesterday. It was her last day in town and we were at a restaurant with a bar that was showing football and stuff like that. There's this guy, probably seventies. He's watching, uh, I think it was the Pittsburgh game. It was one of those places that had all the games on. And, uh, at one point he starts shouting at the TV. It's just something about Ben Roethlisberger. Here's your contract. He pauses. Then he goes, then he hits us with, you're a bum. Oh, wow. Wow. That's some good old school sports heckling. You're a bum. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next play, Roethlisberger, he scrambles out, he fakes a throat, and he throws it downfield, gets the the first down, and a guy goes, well, you're still a bum. (laughs) You're a bum. Oh, my God. It's like it's 1971 again, and I'm sitting next to my dad at Wrigley Field listening to the old cigar chompers chew out the Cubs. Oh, my God. All right. On a slightly more uh, serious note, a couple of interesting uh, stories from the world of uh, technology, politics, and culture. A big poll out, big survey out, found that in this, you know, I'd I'd meant to uh, promote this story by telling you, we've found a topic Republicans and Democrats agree on to a remarkable degree. This poll found that 80% of registered voters 83% 83% of Democrats, 78% of Republicans agreed the federal government, quote, needs to do everything it can to curb the influence of big tech companies that have grown too powerful and use our data to reach too far into our lives. 80 plus percent. Yeah, 83% wow. of Democrats, 78% of Republicans. So that's, uh, yeah, you don't get 80% of people to agree on much. Huh. Well, that that I'm sure they've got some sort of internal polling at Facebook. That would explain why, for instance, Zuckerberg. We talked about this last week. Uh, really putting on a push to uh, to to help their image, and because they control the news flow to such a certain extent, they have the ability to do that more than you know Ford can or um, you know Shell Oil or anything sure. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, they were asked the the folks were asked. Um, are you not nervous, somewhat nervous, uh, nervous, very nervous about the effects of social media on children? 
84% of Democrats say very nervous, 85% of Republicans. Yeah, and the 15% or so who aren't are just, what are you, stupid? <laughs> Perhaps they're just unaware. They haven't been exposed, but I thought that was oh. remarkable. Uh, what that yields in the future policy-wise, how it squares with the First Amendment and old, uh, what's, what's the Commerce Clause uh, 23 that everybody was talking about for a, a cup of coffee? I mean, I spent a little time perusing Twitter uh, comments, not even on our own feed, just on other people's stories and stuff like that. It's just, God, it's a cesspool of, oh, of awfulness. It's just, Thanks, it's Twitter! Just, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Human beings are terrible yeah. when, when, when allowed to be anonymous. If I'm sitting around and I'm miserable, but I'm not miserable enough, I'll read Twitter comments just to make sure I hate humanity. Oh, my right God. Right up to here. Yeah. So speaking of humanity and politics and that sort of thing, um, Jason Riley of the Wall Street Journal wrote a fabulous editorial about the uh, $3.5 trillion proposal to expand the U.S. safety net. Oh, that's right. I was going to give his, uh, give us uh, 73, Michael. You'll recognize this lilting voice this will be paid for so when some say oh well what about inflation it will be paid for and that's the the beauty of it by having those in our our economy and society who have not paid their fair share paying their fair share okay right you're going to drive corporate taxes through the roof and pay for it all no uh, no inflation yeah right that is uh, what we call a lie so anyway uh, Jason Riley writes, the Democrats' $3.5 trillion proposal to expand the U.S. safety net is being described as a make-or-break moment for the Biden presidency, but some of us are more concerned about what it could mean for the country beyond the next election or two. Liberals view a larger welfare state as an unalloyed good, but what's the track record? Entitlement programs were dramatically expanded in the 60s in the service of the war on poverty, yet poverty fell at a slower rate after the Great Society initiatives were implemented and overall dependency on the government for food, shelter, and basic necessities increased now you could argue that's just a function of you know it being available um but where it gets really interesting is that he says housing intended to help families through a rough patch some of the public housing has become a multi-generational trap for some democrats are now aiming to create new entitlements and expand the existing ones not only for the poor but for the professional class workers making two hundred thousand dollars a year would be eligible for a new paid family leave and and medical act uh liberals pitch these social programs in the name of helping underprivileged minority groups and reducing inequality but the lesson of the 1960s is that government relief can put in place incentives that have the opposite effect if you're ready for some stunning statistics, between 1940 and 1960, the percentage of black families living in poverty declined by 40 points. I this thought is, that was amazing. I had never, I'd never heard it put that way before. Yeah, between 40 and 60, this is w- w- before the Great Society and everything. Uh, the Lyndon Baines Johnson. Program. This would be, you know, at the height of Jim, you know, actual Jim Crow era laws and everything. Right. So the percentage of black families living in poverty declined by 40 points as blacks increased their years of education and migrated from poor rural areas to more prosperous urban environs in both the South and the North. No welfare program has ever come close to replicating that rate of black advancement, which predates affirmative action programs, etc. Moreover, what we experienced in the wake of the Great Society interventions was slower progress or outright retrogression. Black labor force participation rates fell. Black unemployment rates rose, and the black nuclear family disintegrated. In 1960, fewer than 25% of black children were being raised by a single mother. Within four decades, it was more than half. 
antisocial behaviors closely associated with family breakdown. So it's no surprise that more fatherless homes led to higher violent crime rates. The criminologist Barry Latzer has noted that blackmail homicide rates had had been falling in the 1940s by 18%, and in the 1950s by 22%, yet this trend would reverse itself beginning in the late 60s and continued to worsen for nearly three decades. The political left likes to cite the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, but what about the legacy of the massive welfare state interventions of the 1960s? And he has a number of other examples, but I think the point is made. You make people dependent on the government, their lives, their families, their their morals, they crumble. It's an awful idea. It's evil. But people look at it as kindness and generosity. It doesn't work. I would think that the um, uh, the benefits that we pumped out during COVID and then the, uh, you know, the unemployment rate, so the, the having more jobs than you have unemployed people, more open jobs than you have unemployed people would be, you know, the last bit of proof you need for the way that stuff works. Yeah, but it's, uh, and, and you know, I just bent your ear for five minutes on uh, the, the brilliant words of Jason Riley, Jason Riley but the truth is um, they're, the politicians don't think this stuff works, a lot of them. They don't care if it works. They're just redistributing money from the Treasury to get your votes, period. It's as cynical as cynicism gets. There are some well-meaning doofuses who actually ignore all of the data and think this stuff uh, works, but a lot of it's just cynicism. So there's a new novel out about uh, millennials. And uh, this particular writer has written several that were very well received, as in she uh, like really has her finger on the pulse of millennials and young people and the way they're thinking about their attitudes about life, about marriage and family and careers and all that sort of stuff. Well, in her third novel that just came out, um, because this is what she senses, is that there's a, a bit of a... Um, a change in perspective from a lot of young people about marriage and family and jobs and all that sort of stuff that I think a lot of you are going to be happy to hear. Hmm. I know I was. Excellent. So I can hit you with that coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, Chuck Grassley, he's that senator from Iowa, 88, announced today he's going to run again. Yeah, I'm against ageism, but, you know, he, maybe 88 is a little, you know. <laughs> he's been around a while. He, his platform is buying Louisiana from the French. I, that's, maybe he's been around too long. Wow, that's another really Johnny Carson-esque joke from Bill Maher. Oh, oh, oh that's funny. Yeah, so Grassley is um <laughs> what I say the other day, three months older than Diane Feinstein. They're both born in thirty three, but he's got three <sighs> months on DiFi, I think. You know, I can do math, but when you actually name the year, I'm shocked every I time. I know, I know. Thirty three Gemini. And so Chuck Grassley and Diane Feinstein running for another term. Ah, uh, gee, Ed, did you hear that Chuck Grassley is running? Ho <laughs> ho is he, sir? So, uh, <laughs> so a couple of things uh, I came across on the same topic that I thought were fascinating, and I've wondered about this for years, and always been kind of afraid to say it out loud because I, it didn't seem like it was cool, right? It sounded like an old man, but 
Uh, Sally Rooney is an author you either have or haven't heard of. Doesn't make any difference, but she's written several very popular, like bestseller novels about young people. Uh, n- not even millennials, but like the next generation. What do they call it? Z? Whatever the next one is after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in her nascent, latest one, uh, it redefi- redefines old-fashioned searches for meaning. And this is based on her experience being around young people. In Beautiful World, her new book, young people are exploring a different way of being. Now for spoilers. The characters trade in showy declarations of Marxism for a quieter search for meaning. Meaning, they're deeply curious about religion. Casual sex is critiqued. Commitment holds the most allure. A church wedding is the setting for one of the book's most transcendent moments. A baby even appears. Rather than diving into wild experimentation, they embrace a small life. And uh, and as one reviewer put it, the, the youth in this series of novels has now gone trad, as they call it. You know, young people have got to have a cool term for everything. No, yes. I know it. Stupid terms. And in the end, they're much happier than any of Rooney's previous uh, characters have been in their other books by going trad. So this chronicler of young people has its characters kind of being like our parents and happier, which I find interesting and utterly unsurprising maybe it's surprising that it's a hot new novel but uh, those of us who have lived a little little bit understand that i didn't think it would come back did you i didn't think it was going to come back no no the the appearance of that is a little bit surprising the fact that the characters are happier you know if you're an honest writer is not surprising um one side note before i get into the sex stuff i had not heard the term cottage core but i have seen it i just didn't know i had seen it cottage core is this kind of small prairie life traditional thing? And even Target is selling prairie dresses now. It said here. Uh, so it's I, like I've seen hardcore. That's that sort of core, but it's prairie core. Yeah, and, and I have seen uh, women in prairie dresses, and uh, and I didn't realize it was part of kind of like that view of the world. Anyway, so last week uh, I was beaten up on Michelle Goldberg for a really stupid column she had in the New York Times, and then this weekend she had one I really, really liked, why sex-positive feminism is falling out of fashion, and I thought this fit in with what I was just saying about that novel, and it's about how women, well, I'll just read from her article, um, the warnings of the anti-porn feminists all these years seem to have been belatedly realized. This one professor saying, sex for my students is what porn says it is, girls complain. So they're finding out that their sex lives are based on the world of porn and that that kind of just sets the tone that they're expected to live up to, which is not surprising at all. Right. They're not trying to satisfy, please uh, love uh, their lover. They're trying to recreate porn. (laughs) And these Gen Z women think that sex positivity is overrated. One 23-year-old woman told the professor, it feels like we were tricked into exploiting ourselves. I've been saying this for years. And like I said, I was always kind of embarrassed to say it out loud because you sound like, you know, a stodgy old-timer or whatever. But I've, but I've always thought the, 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 the popularity of female comedians about how slutty I am. You realize there's a, I know you're not supposed to believe there's difference between men and women, but there's a big difference sexually between men and women. Women can, it's very easy to be a slutty woman. Very, very, very easy. Because there are plenty of guys that are more than happy to have sex with you with no uh, strings attached. The reverse is not is true, or at least it hasn't been in the past. And you have been tricked into something if you start behaving like men, and you're not going to be happier for it. Using term using new terms for old proclivities, 
the world demi the word demisexual has become popular. Now, I think I mocked this a while back, but I didn't quite understand what demisexual meant. I thought it was another one of these gender fluid weirdness things. Uh, it refers to those who are attracted only to people with whom they share an emotional connection. Before the sexual revolution, of course, many people thought that most women were like this. That's because they were. Now, an aversion to casual sex has become a bona fide sexual orientation. So, demisexual is, I'm only going to have sex with people I care about. Sounds like a pretty good idea. In March, Vox's Rebecca Jennings reported on the spread of the cancel porn movement on TikTok. It's just one facet of conservatism for lack of a better term, that's proliferating on TikTok from rather unlikely sources. Young, presumably progressive women who think that what's sometimes called the choice feminism caters to patriarchy and male gaze. Liberal feminism telling young girls that hookup culture is liberating, uh, young women are saying, no, it's not. I think that's, one, true and smart, and two, fantastic that, that, that younger women are catching on to that. It will yield happier lives. Absolutely. To bottom line it. (laughs) And for everybody. Yeah. For everybody, the whole, hey, I get to have sex with whoever I want to. Just Yeah, guys love that idea that they can just use you and have not have to make any commitment of what yeah that is they're 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 on board with that. And y'all live whatever lifestyle you want. I don't that's no good for the dudes either. No, Honestly. exactly. So, it's yeah. it's going to help everybody. I just, Why do you think every society, every religion has frowned on turning away sex? from hookup culture? I didn't think that would happen, but it there's is. a tsunami of wokeness next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And now, local news anchors announce the changing of the seasons, the only way they know how. Well, today is officially the first day of fall. I'm sorry, that's not how you usually say it. It's fall, y'all. Thank you. <laughs> it is fall. It outside. is you fall, y'all. It you is fall, to... y'all. It is like, happy fall, yeah. everybody. <laughs> it's fall, y'all. Fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. I, I would say happy fall, y'all. Happy fall, y'all. Happy fall, y'all. Wasn't <laughs> 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 ready for that, were you? No. It's the first day of fall, y'all. First day of fall, y'all. It is the first day of fall, y'all. <laughs> Today is a brand new day. It's the beginning of fall, so we should say gourd morning to you. Hmm. Yeah. I was waiting for you to say, it's fall, y'all. I'm waiting for everyone to say, happy fall, y'all. I know. <laughs> so we have a couple of weather headlines for you, and I'm really proud of this first one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me show you. Here it is. Weather headlines. Okay. Happy fall, y'all. Although summer ain't leafing. That's good. Isn't that good? That is good. I'm really proud of that one. There you go. I'm less killing me. I'm less alive (laughs) after that. Yes, Jack, but their faces are symmetrical, their teeth are white, and their breasts are perky. Even the fellas. (sighs) Their (laughs) self-amusement with their clever phrase that was obviously so clever, every local news anchor in America said it is. Something. Well, obviously, as professional teleprompter readers, that passes for creativity in their world. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? I, I, I don't, I'm more interested in those of you who watch that stuff. I don't, and most of you probably don't. I think people who listen to radio are different than people who watch. Well, we know for a oh, fact it's different oh, than people that guaranteed. watch like morning TV. Yeah, yeah. Just, I don't dislike them. I don't want their rights taken away except the right to vote. 
That's the only one. And if you're younger, I wouldn't mind harvesting your blood if it could add years to my life. But. Right, right. That just seems reasonable. <laughs> so, Jack, I, I guess a tsunami isn't uh, that's an or that's a uh, like a earthquake driven tidal wave. I was going to say, speaking of weather phenomenon, but I guess it's not weather, is it? Not really. It's more geology. Hmm. Well, nonetheless, whatever it is, there is a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. <laughs> you know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Oh, that's beautiful. Is that the Chinese national anthem, Michael? Fantastic. It's funny. It doesn't have that anywhere. All right, let me get stopped. There's a, there is a tsunami awoke. There's a couple stories for you here. This is it's so old hat at this point. Uh, you know, I'll bring you one or two more of these, and it's just too obvious. Jack, l- let me see if you can guess the end of the story. There was a terrible incident at Emory University. Somebody spray-painted racist graffiti. Racial slurs written near the workspace occupied by two African-American women. Also a swastika painted near the office of a Jewish individual. Now you get to guess who do you think did it. <laughs> you might guess a Klansman. You might guess a racist <laughs> no, undergrad. No, no, you wouldn't. If you've been following the news, that's not who you would guess. <sighs> When's the last yeah. time somebody actually painted a swastika on something in a college campus when it was a racist nut job and not the professor on painting their own door? Yeah, let me answer in this way. The uh, suspected vandal is a black man, ex-Emory University employee, activist, etc., who wants everybody to know how much racism there is, but there's not quite enough, so he created some. If there, and let me answer Jack's question this way, if there is racist graffiti, a noose, swastika, whatever, on a college campus, there's a 75% chance it was a lefty activist, who wanted to whip it, whip up a little more racism to be afraid of. There's a 20% chance it was a f- stupid drunk frat boy who just knew he would get a reaction. And there remains a 5% chance, 1 in 20, it's an actual racist. But I don't recall the last one. And then one more bit of tsunami of wokeness for you. There's uh, a tsunami that, of wokeness. There is, there is indeed a tsunami of wokeness. Scientific American, one of the great serious publications of the 20th century, has gone nutty and woke. And in a story published Thursday titled, Why the Term Jedi is Problematic for Describing Programs that Promote Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Now, apparently, some people use that nickname. I was unaware of it. They, they, they summarize justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion as Jedi. But the five authors are great. Five authors? How many friggin' authors you need? What, do you, one of you handle the nouns, one of the verbs, the other the punctuation, or what? what? How does that work? Anyway. It's for all y'all. I hate committees. I hate working. You know, when we have group projects in school? Oh, I, I hated that. Oh. I bristled at oh. it. Oh. Which, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. Anyway, uh, but the five authors of this uh, this piece argue the Jedi are inappropriate mascots for social justice. 
Uh, they say the scientific world should jettison the Jedi, including naming anything after them or displaying any Star Wars memorabilia in common workspaces because the space knights are, quote, emblems for a host of dangerously reactionary values and assumptions. Oh, boy. Among the evidence the article cites, the Jedi are a religious order of intergalactic police monks prone to (laughs) white saviorism and toxically masculine approaches to conflict resolution. Now, are you you positive this isn't a, uh, like, James Lindsay sort of (laughs) jerk us around to see if we'll actually fall for it? No, They're it's serious. dead serious. Okay. Dead, how do you even write parody these days? You can't. You can't tell the difference between the jokes and the real stuff. All right. Which, so, which was the point <laughs> of the fake stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, <clears throat> let me finish this uh, sentence if I can without busting into laughter. The Jedi are a religious order of intergalactic police monks prone to white saviorism and toxically masculine approaches to conflict resolution. For instance, violent duels with phallic lightsabers. Oh, right. The lightsabers are phallic. Plus gaslighting by means of Jedi mind tricks, etc. Do you think swords in the Middle Ages were popular because they're phallic? Or just because it was like the best way you could craft steel to chop another person down in a battle? No, it was phallic. It was a symbol. There was very little justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in the Middle Ages. I don't want to talk about it. They go on to argue, Star Wars arguably conflates alienness with non-whiteness, seeming to rely on racist stereotypes when depicting non-human species. God, you people are actually, actually crazy. And I got to believe if you see this sort of stuff everywhere you look, it makes you miserable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's what they like, though. They'd rather be horrified than happy. Plus, the franchise's cultural footprint can be tracked in the saga of the United States military industrial invention and investment and expansion. Uh, oh, that just gets boring. Uh, those unfamiliar, uncomfortable with Star Wars, including those hurt by the messages it sends, may feel alienated by the parade of jokes, puns, and references surrounding the term Jedi. And finally, the article concludes by saying readers who might react defensively, like saying... You're stupid and crazy, for instance, should ask themselves. (laughs) You're stupid and crazy. (laughs) (laughs) If you react that way to this wisdom, you should ask yourself, friends, and I'm talking to you now. Why are you prioritizing the cultural dreamscape of the Jedi over the real world project of social justice? Yeah. Oh, they got me there. They got me there. Because the movies are entertaining and harmless, and you're crazy and stupid, or stupid and crazy, or crazy stupid. (laughs) That is unbelievable. The Jedi are a religious order of intergalactic police monks prone to white saviorism and toxically masculine approaches to conflict resolution like violent duels with phallic lightsabers. (laughs) Again, I can't tell if that's a parody to see if I'll fall for it or the real thing, and I'm not sure it makes any difference. Um, Jack, it's a tsunami of wokeness. Or did I mention that already? There's a tsunami of wokeness. Okay. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Everything woke turns to shit. Um, I'll, ja- I'll jam this in real quick, and we don't want to dwell on it because it's a tragedy, but yesterday at Petco Park in San Diego during a Padres game, did you see this? Uh, yeah. A woman and her two-year-old fell from the concourse level and died. 
Yeah, it's not clear what happened there. It, it's tragic either way. What? But what's? What's? They're thinking it may be a suicide thing. With wow, why there? At least the latest I heard from the cops. Wow, who, who with knows? your two-year-old at the game. I don't know. God, and how traumatic was that for anybody who saw it? Oh my God, you'd never forget that. Yeah. Oof. Um, okay. And uh, there's a new that, Brit- that brought everybody down. Um, new Britney Spears documentary, which I won't watch. Uh, but the Washington Post had the five bombshells from the Britney documentary. It's more about the conservatorship, you know, and we had mocked over the years the whole free Britney movement that was a thing among we thought whack jobs and that she was telegraphing to people to save her and everything like that. That was all completely true. I mean, I'm not sure every blink was a message to, uh, you know, people to save me, but she wanted to be saved and needed to be saved is unbelievable. The uh, the the extent to which her life was controlled as a 40 year old woman who hadn't displayed any lack of ability to take care of herself for many, many, many years. They had cameras in her home, including her bedroom. Yeah, they had cameras in her bedroom. They were videotaping or they had audio recordings of uh, all of her activities, conversations, private conversations, and I'm sure and whatever else that was going on with boyfriends and friends and kids and everything like that in her bedroom. Yeah, that's just bizarre. They controlled her drugs and like cut up our pills and her pills and told her how many to take when they took them and kept an eye on her to make sure she's taking them and all that stuff. Obviously controlled all her money. Um, you know, and the whole uh, forcing her to have an IUD and all these those different things. How did all this get started? With her dad, I guess. You know, she was pretty crazy there for a while. She spent some time in a psych ward, although who knows, you know, to what extent she was driven crazy by uh, being forced to perform, even if she said she didn't want to anymore and all that sort of stuff. I'm crazy rich. Why do I need to dance again tonight? And they would make her because people were living off of her. And the only reason this is really important is not because it's Britney Spears. It's just this sort of thing can happen, apparently, which is which is freaking frightening. So anybody she wanted to date, anybody, or just even meet as a friend, but anyone she should date, had to go through this long process of being interviewed by a whole bunch of people and lawyers and all these background checks and all these things. And all of this being supported by the weight of the government. Yeah, yeah, that's where it gets through scary. the judge. You got cameras in her bedroom. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, I'd say. the uh, uh, They were forced to erase all, everything that they had been keeping for years. But but so, shouldn't somebody be answering for this, or whether the judge or the dad or something? Some of these are clearly affronts to the laws of God and man. I can't believe no laws were broken. Yeah, it's something, though. Um, Facebook says they did their own investigation, Joe, and Instagram actually makes teen girls feel better. You completely misreported the story last week. Yeah. They feel better, according to Facebook. Uh, (laughs) That argument and others on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. are on the attack in Anchorage, Alaska. Otters? Yep, risk to public safety. They're going to relocate the group of river otters. 
They're, they're, they're aggressive. They're from the weasel family, you know. They've gone after a woman, a child, and at least two dogs. There you go. Sorry to hear that. First you got the COVID, and then you got, you know. The otter knock it army off. Army of otters. Um, so last week, uh, Wall Street Journal did a four-part series on um, social media and how it was uh, ruining everybody's lives, because it is, including the stuff about Instagram that you brought us, that it's uh, terrible for kids. Yeah, especially young girls. Mm -hmm. Facebook has released a defense of Instagram. Facebook owns Instagram, in case you've forgotten. Yesterday, insisting that the popular photo-sharing app makes teen girls feel better about themselves. Not only are you wrong, you're way out of line. You've got it completely backwards, America. Oh, sorry. It's not making teen girls kill themselves at rates that has never been seen in world history. No, it actually makes them feel better about themselves. The company's rebuttal comes after a damning investigation found that Facebook knew of the platform's toxic impact on young people and failed to fix it. Of course, that's the most interesting part of the story, really, is that they've got their own internal information showing how bad it is, and it leaked out. Who are all the people that are leaking out of Facebook? What's that all about? Uh, People who aren't down with evil. You know, you go for a gig at an organization, you realize slowly but surely that they're doing terrible harm to humanity. You speak out. Good for them, whoever they are. So um, keep in in mind as you hear further claims by Mark Zuckerberg and his crew that uh, uh, Satan is often referred to as the father of all lies. True. The great deceiver. So the Wall Street Journal reported that Facebook has internal information that says the Instagram app makes teens' body image issues worse for one out of three teen girls. Well, in their blog post taking that on yesterday, the president of research, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, did not confront many of the journal's assertions. Of course not, because if you can't, you don't. Uh, including that teens said they feel addicted to Instagram. Instead, they argued that the journal's characterization of Facebook's findings on how Instagram affects body issues in teen girls was without context and, context and simply not accurate. The context is we're all getting rich. The research uh, actually demonstrated that many teens we heard from feel that using Instagram helps them when they're struggling with the kinds of hard moments and issues teenagers have always faced. They didn't back that up with any documentation or anything. <laughs> what like a load that. of crap. That's something, though, isn't it? I just I think it's just so incredibly ballsy to come out and push back against that, not with any facts or anything, just say that that's not true. Uh, Facebook actually makes teen girls happier about themselves, and uh, Instagram makes them uh, just, they can't wait to go to middle school. Facebook has prevented half of all possible teen suicides. Wait, what? (laughs) Thanks for coming. You might remember the uh, Wall Street Journal report covered 12 areas, including loneliness, anxiety, sadness, and eating issues that have been affected by teens, teen girls particularly, that are on Instagram. Facebook says that's not happening. Yeah, you know, I just read a long piece in The New Yorker about um, social media and how it's making us sick. And it, it one of the main points that it took 5,000 words to get to was that it's a question of fame. To be known by people you don't know is a pretty good definition of fame. Hmm. If those are, if those numbers are large. Um, and, and how fame has enormous pressures to it. 
Um, it doesn't have to, but for a lot of people, just because of the way we're made as a beast, it does. You just you become self-conscious. You you end up you need that uh, feedback. You begin to depend on it for your ego. But there are pressures. If you screw up, all of a sudden, the weight of the condemnation is way more than a single human being can take or ever would have to take in real life. And essentially, lots and lots of people, not everybody, but lots and lots of people are all of a sudden famous online because they have, you know, 10,000 followers or whatever. And the pressures are making us nuts as a human. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, We have breaking news. Macron has been hit with an egg. Oh, Lord. President of France has been hit with, has been egged with somebody screaming, Viva la Revolution. Wow, a French revolution. Get out the guillotines. Viva la omelette. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, oh, speaking of Euro politics, we could talk a little bit about the big German election. Angela Merkel is finally uh, riding off into the sunset, and they've elected some new German. Or, well, nah, actually, they vote for parties in kind of a weird way yeah. in Germany. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, actually, some of the particulars of their system. Nazi Germany. A little bit. No, just regular Germany, Michael. Thank you, though. Uh, what else? What else was I anxious to get to? Oh, we really ought to touch on... Alejandro Mayorkas, the joke of a Department of Homeland Security head who's just beclowning himself over and over again on TV. Have you seen the pictures from the bridge? They cleared that out completely. Clearly, yep. word came down from Biden, get those people out of there. Most of them in the United States, by the way. But they cleared that out. There's nobody there now. Oh, yeah. Used bulldozers to clear out all the junk and everything. It's amazing. Hey, if you ever miss a chunk of the show, you can grab it via podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty.